Hello friends and welcome to this Let Me Tell You Story podcast. This is Evelyn Martinez and so happy that you are back with us. So we're talking about the real life experiences of Jacob and we are now on the episode where um, Jacob realizes through a dream that God's timing is for him to pack up his family and livestock and go home. So um, they're just looking for, they, meaning uh, Jacob and his wives, are looking for just the right moment to just get going. So the father-in-law uh, goes away to tend his sheep somewhere and um, they figure, oh, this is our chance. Let's get out of here. So they, they leave and um, Rachel, for some reason, stole his father, her father's um, gods and idols. Remember, those are, those are pagan um, families and pagan beliefs. And I guess she didn't believe in the same God that her husband believed. So she decided to take some spiritual protection in her own way for the journey. And um, so Laban is told, hey, Jacob uh, has left you. And so he uh, and his relatives, I suppose all the men uh, of his household and his servants, they pursue him uh, for seven days. And just as they are about to catch up with him um, at night when the staff was sleeping, um, God came to Laban in a dream and he said to him, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. So now um, they catch up to um, Jacob and his family and Laban is very angry. Uh, what have you done? You have deceived me. You have carried off my daughters and the kids like it's they're, like they're captives of war. I mean, he's really dramatic. Why do you run off secretly and deceive me? You didn't tell me. So I could send you away with joy and singing, which is a lie. But you didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. You have done a foolish thing. And then he goes, I have the power to harm you. He becomes threatening. Uh, but last night, the God of your father said to me, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Isn't that something? Here is Laban believing that he has the power to harm Jacob. He has the power to stop him from going home. He has the power to take back the flocks and the kids and the grandkids and whatever he's dreaming of. And yet, as he's about to catch up with him, God appears to him and reminds him, you have nothing, you have no power. And it's so, so remarkable to me that he says to Laban, do not say anything to Jacob either good or bad. Not, not just do not do. I mean, that the doing was totally out of the question. Do not even say anything that would upset him. To me, this is so incredible. 
Talk about a God that watches over you. You know, when you don't even know, God is defending you from your enemies. God is putting a limit to what they can say, what they can do, how they can attack you, how they can pursue you. People don't have this free access to do anything they like to you, to treat you any way they feel like treating you. This is a very clear example of God's protection. He said to Jacob, I'll watch over you and I'll be with you wherever you go. And he did, and he was. And he stopped Laban in all his fantasies of stopping and harming Jacob. And it was very clear. It was so clear that Laban had no doubt who was the one that appeared in his dreams. He said to Jacob, the God of your father. He had heard of that God. He had heard of the power of that God. And that God appeared in a dream to him. And you know, your enemies don't have to be believers. They don't even have to have faith. But when God shows up to defend you, they will know that the one that shows up is the true and real God. And, and you know, and to his credit, Jacob was quite honest. He said, you know, I was afraid because I thought you would take your daughters, who are his wives now, you know, for 20 years now, I thought you would take him by force, that, you know, take um, my family by force from me, which Laban was very capable of trying to do, as we see. He even pursued him, right? But then he said, I think it's still your gods, but if you find anyone that has them in my camp, um, let's see, um, you know, see for yourself. And will then judge the situation. So Laban went and looked everywhere, you know, and couldn't find anything. And Rachel was sitting down and she has told him and she put it under her skirt. So she said to her dad, um, don't be angry, my Lord. I cannot stand up because I have my period. So of course they could not find him and Jacob was angry and, and took Laban and to task and said, what is my crime? How have I wronged you that you have, you have hunted me down? Now that you have searched through all my goods, what have you found that belongs to your household? And then he you know, gets into what he had done for Laman. He says, I've been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and your goats have not miscarried nor have I eaten rams from your flocks. I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I brought the loss myself and you demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen by day or night. And this was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for 20 years. I was in your household. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks, and you changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship 
and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. You know, I just want to touch on how even though Jacob didn't grow up as a man of the field and raising flocks and, you know, he had a very cushy life. He did whatever he wanted. He was in a tent cooking with his mom and only left the place when he wanted to. Even though that was the, the way he was raised, that encounter with God not only changed his focus on what he should be doing, but when he did it, he did it to the best that he could and he did it with integrity. What he was saying to Laban is, you know, I worked with all my might for 20 years. And not only did I prosper you with my work and my diligence and the Lord blessing my work, but it was with the utmost integrity. And this is the first time that we hear Jacob lay it all out. And this is how we see the integrity in which he carried himself, that it was something to behold. And this is quite a lesson to all of us because, you know, we can say, well, I don't like this work. It's, the sacrifice is too much, you know. I mean, the sun burnt, getting burned during the day, getting cold to the bone at night, and I have to face this, I have to face that, and I have to face whatever, and this is too much for me. So therefore, I'm just going to slack off. I mean, these animals are not mine. This is not, this is not, I'm not the one getting wealthy from it. He's not even giving me good wages. He's changed my wages 10 times, he's whatever. But you know, the Lord that's watching over you, he sees your integrity. He sees the heart, the attitude, the dedication, the honesty that you deal with um, when nobody's watching. He sees what you do when no one is around, when there are no weaknesses, when nobody can write you off to the boss. He sees what you do. And because I believe that Jacob has so much integrity in his work, and in his dealings with Laban, he has stepped in and he corrected every situation to Jacob's benefit. And you know, I have to say, maybe I have slacked off somehow, some different places here and there. Maybe you have to, I have no idea. Maybe, you know, you're just, you know, um, really good at what you do when you are just, just like Jacob. But no matter what, we, just, we need to make sure that we are people of integrity. When nobody's watching, when nobody's looking, when there are no weaknesses, when we hate our jobs, where it's too demanding, where it's physically difficult um, to put out with the elements, um, if we want to keep our integrity, I believe the Lord will give us the strength to do it and to carry it out and to go forward and to have the satisfaction of when things come to light one day, say, this is what I have done. And I have done the very best that I could have had. And I have behaved in a way that has... Um, the utmost integrity. 
So this is uh, this is quite interesting. So that was the big drama of their encounter, and um, they agreed. You know, there's up monuments and lines, and you don't pass. I don't pass to you over this side to harm you, and you don't come over this line to harm me either. And um, they made promises to each other, and you know, vows and all all of that. So now. Um, Jacob um, goes on his way and he has sent messengers um, ahead of him to his brother Esau um, and <laughs> he instructed them uh, this is what I want you to say um, say to Esau I've been staying with Laban and have remained there till now I have um, flocks like cattle and, and donkeys sheep and goats and male and female servants, meaning I have done very well. Um, now, send this message to him um, because he's thinking that he needs to find favor. He's, uh, he's hoping that 20 years have passed and Isa is not as angry, he doesn't want to kill him anymore, but he is trying to soften him up. So he sends um, servants and messengers ahead. But when he is on his way, the angels of God met him, met Jacob. And um, imagine this, you're on your way, you survive your father-in-law that had these crazy motives. And now, you know, you're going home, so you're going to have to confront your past. You're going to have to confront the, your only sibling that vowed to kill you. And you need to, to make sure that things don't go that way and he's trying to soften um, Esau's heart and um, the angels of the Lord met him and when he saw them he recognized them as the angels of God and he said this is the camp of God so um, he named that place Mahanaim and this is so wonderful and interesting because the Lord of course is with him and the Lord knows what's coming and everything that's happening and the first thing he does is send angels uh, not one angel but angels um, of God and the angels of God met him intercepted him you know stop him with some time between him and Esau and kind of slow him down a bit and um, we're gonna this is really um, an amazing thing let's explore it a little further so you know Jacob's servants come back after meeting Esau and giving the message and um, they come back and said you know yeah we went to your brother Esau and now he's coming to meet you he's not waiting for you to meet him He's coming to meet you. He's coming this way. And he's bringing 400 men with him. Imagine that. 400 men. I mean, that doesn't sound very peaceful. It sounds to me like uh, the guy was still angry and wanted some revenge or something. So uh, Jacob, of course, got, became very fearful. He was very anxious and distressed. And, you know, that's because he has his family with him. So he divided his people uh, into two groups and the animals as well. 
into groups, and he he thought, well, if Isa comes and attacks one group, um, the other group uh, may escape, thinking that was the only one. So Jacob is in such distress that he he prays. He starts praying, oh God, you know, um, you said you're the God of my father, you're the God of my grandpa, and you said to me, go back to your country and to your relatives and I'll make you prosper and and you know it's not that I'm worthy I'm unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness and all the good things you have shown me um, when I came this way I had nothing but now I have two camps of people and flocks and all of that but I pray that you save me from the hand of my brother Esau um, I'm afraid that he will come and attack me and also, I'm afraid that he will attack um, my wives and children. But you said to me, I will surely make you prosper and I'll make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. You know, he just realized, uh, I'm in danger. He's coming with 400 men and 400 men that know how to fight. And I have a bunch of animals and all my kids and my wives and my servants, we can now overcome uh, him unless uh, he will wipe us out or at least some of us. So he's, he's afraid. And even though the angels are there, he's still afraid. And he just um, goes to God himself in prayer and asking for protection. He tells him that he's very much afraid of Isa. So it's, it's really important for us to always be vulnerable to the Lord, you know, to confess and go to Him and ask Him for protection, to confess our fears and why we're fearful and, um, you know, remind the Lord His promises in prayer. It's not so much because He forgets, but it's because it builds our faith for us to remember that and take solace on that and say, Lord, you, you, you promised me this. And in his case, you promised me my descendants will be like the sun of the sea. And here comes my brother with 400 men to meet me. That does not look or sound like a peaceful embrace. That sounds like his brother is still quite upset. So um, I guess, um, you know, he decides he's going to spend the night in that place and uh, it's time to soften him up a bit more and select gifts for his brother Isa to see if that'll delay him, if that'll make him softer. He's just looking um, for something um, that will work and make Isa less angry. It's so good that after he prayed is when he comes up with this plan uh, to soften Isa. So he, you know, gets a bunch of animals um, uh, from his flock, lots of them, 200 of these, 20 of that, 200 of those, uh, a whole bunch. And um, he says to his servants, um, he sends them in groups, these animals with his servants, and said, um, you know, if you, when you meet him, he said to the one in front, you know, uh, when when you meet my brother Isa, and he asked, who do you belong to? Where are you going? Who owns all these animals in front of you? You need to tell him. They belong to your servant Jacob, but they're a gift 
send to my Lord, send to my Lord Esau. And, and Jacob is coming right behind us. So imagine, imagine Esau having the conversation with the lead guy first with a whole bunch of animals. It's a gift, right? So now he has to take possession of the gift. And then he goes further and the same thing happens and he goes further and the same thing happens. And, and now there's more space uh, in between them. And now Isa is not thinking, well, my brother is coming now to take over uh, the whole lot of the family and he's coming over here and he's wealthy. So maybe he's coming to attack me. I'm gonna attack him first. Now Isa realizes, um, well, um, his brother wants to pacify him, which is uh, Jacob's motive. Um, and Jacob's thinking, uh, maybe the gifts to pacify him. Um, and perhaps when I see him, he'll receive me. So he spent the whole um, time sending gifts and gifts and gifts. And, and it became night, so he decided to stay. Let's, let's, let's stay here in the camp. So Jacob, you know, sends uh, his family away, his possessions away, everything he has across different streams uh, until he was uh, left alone. And he says that a man wrestled with him all night until daybreak. I mean, the guy had been sending flocks and animals and praying and, you know, saying things to pacify Isa. Now it's night. And instead of resting, um, he is... Um, wrestled uh, with him, this man. It looks, sounds as if the man initiated the fight. He says, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. But when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he could not overpower Jacob, um, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and as he wrestled with the man, then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why did you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it is because I saw God's face to face and yet my life was spared. And as the sun rose above him, he passed, he passed Paniel and he was limping because of his hip. You know, that is quite remarkable. Um, because God is basically wrestled uh, Jacob, not so that he could destroy him, but so that he could wrestle away from him his dependence on self. It is very tempting once you have accumulated wealth, once that you have the means to do whatever you want to do, once you have explored and put in practice a strategy that works, 
once that you have more than enough, once you don't need anyone for anything, it is so difficult to remain dependent on God. It is so tempting to just go on and do your own way. And yet, he prayed for protection, but there was more that needed to be changed. His identity needed to be changed. He needed to become a different man, and God wrestled that from him. It is so extraordinary that it wasn't about Let me talk to you and convincing you that this is the way you should behave from now on. Let me just talk to you and give you a nice little lesson and I'll press you to your heart how you're going to be from then on. Wrestling can be quite violent. Wrestling is exhausting. It requires force. So here we are, the two of them wrestling. And of course, It's not that Jacob couldn't overcome. Jacob had not won. That means God would have killed him right there and there. You understand? The issue, the point was not to kill him. The point was to wrestle away from him. He's dependent from self. You walk with the Lord and you get to a point in your journey that you may not need him as much. You have done very well. You are very well established. You have the spouse, the spouse, you have the kids, you have the money, you have the servants. I mean, you lack nothing. You don't even have to work another day if you don't want to. What you have is enough to carry you and your descendants and your children's and your children's children potentially. On top of that, he had a huge promise from the Lord that this, what he was seeing, It was not enough yet. That was not the sun of the sea. That was not the dust of the earth. This thing is going, you're just about to start multiplying for real. And, but there's one thing that the Lord could not afford to let Jacob keep. And that was his independence. He needed to make sure that he was dependent on the Lord. And every time he took a step, He was limping. He was reminded, I depend on him. I depend on him. It's not my own strength, but it's his. I am his, and I depend on him. And that man that left home running for his life, that had made mistakes, that Um, handle things so poorly with his brother that his brother wanted to kill him. That man was going to meet his brother soon. But he was going to meet his brother not as Jacob anymore, but as Israel. For the Lord has changed and transformed him. And that took a whole night of, of wrestling. That took sacrifice and force. That is so incredible. I'm so grateful that the Lord has never visited me and bear me to a wrestling match night or day or at any time, but he has confronted me about character issues and things he wants me to do away with, which I cannot just get rid of 
uh, of anything on my own. It has to be depending on him. And that in itself is like um, a similar experience. And I'm pretty sure we all have gone through that. And if you have not, just remember, wrestling with yourself, by yourself, is not going to change anything. You have to go and submit to God and let him wrestle that thing out of you and give it up and let him change your identity, your character, uh, whatever it is that is changing, which we all have things that need changing. We all do. The list is long and you know exactly what the issues are with you and exactly what the issues have been with me. So we're just not going to sugarcoat it. And um, I just invite you to be that vulnerable and get into that place where he shows you the issues that need to be dealt with and he shows you how uh, it needs to be dealt, dealt with and he takes you to a process. Um, he has a process for you. Maybe he's not the same one, the same as Jacob's, but he does have a process for you. He has a process for me too. And he has taken me to those processes and he'll continue to do so, thankfully. Um, so I too can grow and mature and, and be firm in my identity in him and be dependent on him every single day. So I hope you got something good out of this podcast and then you come back to the next one so I can tell you another story. This is Evelyn Martinez. So long. <laughs>